Good morning. My name is Pastor Roland. I'm the lead pastor here at Every Nation Church, Las Vegas. I want to say again, welcome uh, for, uh, for those who are just visiting us for the first time, second time. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We, we love and appreciate our visitors. Thank you for joining us. I, we know that there's a lot of places you could have chose to worship today. Thank you for choosing to worship uh, with us. And for the rest of you who are family, good to see you again. Um, we've been in this series on marriage, and for the last three weeks... We've delivered, um, you know, how, first, how many married couples do we have here? How many appreciated Jerrica's prayer this morning for grace? <laughs> I did, I did, and I know my wife did as well. She's up here laughing on the front row. Um, I want to do something a little bit different today as we continue this series, Tying the Knot, Tightening the Knot. Um, I'm going to... Come from another angle. We're going to go back to the first book of the Bible, and we're going to pull some principles out. It's going to be a fun message, but particularly, this message are for those of you who are not yet married, all right? I don't want to ask for a raise of hands, because then it feels like an advertisement, who's not married, okay? So we won't do that, but for those of you who aren't married, this is for you. But for those of you who are married, or you're thinking, man, this isn't for me, I guarantee you that it is. This is, these are principles for any type of relationship you plan to pursue. Whether it's a business relationship, you can apply these principles. Whether you're looking for that, that bestie, that, that best friend, these are principles that you could use. If you're looking for your soulmate or whoever you're, you're, you're praying for and God's going to allow you to end up with them for the rest of your life, ooh, that sounds pretty weighty, doesn't it? Rest of your life. But you can apply these principles to that as well. Now, usually my wife is teaching in the Sunday school, so I wasn't really expecting her to be here as I tell this story. <laughs> now I have to be very accurate. But I wanted to share with you guys real quick. I'm a bit of a romantic. Um, I like to do things that are meaningful. Um, my wife is not so much a romantic. It's funny how that works. Uh, but when I was proposing to my wife, I had this plan for many, many, many years, ever since I was a kid, and I don't know why. But I knew that when I proposed to my uh, future wife, this is what I was going to do. And so uh, after God made it clear that this was the woman he was giving me, and she's like, mm-hmm, <laughs> I knew that, okay, this is my time to propose. And so it happened around the time of 9-11. I know I'm dating myself now. Um, but... Uh, we were living on the island of Guam, and Guam is just like Hawaii, just like a lot of other tourist places, tourists everywhere, especially Japanese, and they love to take pictures, and so I needed a camera, and I needed someone to take our picture, um, and I was counting on the tourists to be there so we can take each other's picture. We, I take her to this place, it's this point overlooking the ocean, you can watch the sunset, the timing was all set up, um, and so I tell her, hey, let's go out, let's dress up, I want to take pictures of us, and she had no idea. So we go up to this point. On the point, after 9-11, there were no tourists. Nobody was traveling. There were no flights. Even mail came to a standstill. Matter of fact, I would have proposed to her earlier, but my ring, the rings that I ordered, that I ordered to get here overnight, took two weeks because of 9-11. And so my pastor kept saying, did you propose? And I said, no, why not? The rings are here. You could propose without the rings. No, I can't. I can't. Everyone else can. I can't. I've had this planned all my life. 
So finally, my sister, she sends it. It arrives. I get there. We go to this point. We're under this gazebo. And uh, I get there, and I have this Polaroid camera. The Polaroid camera was crucial. Because, you know, when you take a picture with the Polaroid, the picture comes out, and it doesn't develop right away. You have to wait. And so I get to the gazebo, and then this is the time cell phones had just came out, and I had that big brick cell phone, you know, kind of folds out into that big antenna that comes up. And you're like, hello? <laughs> That's the cell phone I had. When there was no, I mean, I was so committed to this plan, I wasn't going to mess it up. I called my sister who worked about five minutes away, and she knew what I was doing. I said, Davina, you'll meet her uh, in about a month if you haven't already. She comes here two or three times a year. I said, Davina, there's no one to take our picture. And she goes, don't worry, I'll be right there. And I'm like, no, don't come, don't. And she hangs up the phone. She shows up in her scrubs. She worked at a sleep center. Um... You know, five, like I said, five minutes away, she shows up, and she's like, hi. You know, I have to tell her, um, my sister is coming. She's like, what? Why is your sister coming? And I was like, well, you know her. She's my sister. She's like, how would you like it if I invited my brother? And I was like, you're right. I said, but I said, I want, I want some pictures of us. It was too late. My sister was there. She's like, hi. She grabs the Polaroid, and she starts taking pictures. My plan was this. Inside of my jacket... Similar to this one. I didn't bring the sign, um, but I had a sign here that said, Vilma, would you please be my wife? Her, her roommate told me that as they were confiding in each other, this is how she wanted her future husband to propose to her with those words, would you please be my wife specifically? So I wrote that on a sign in my jacket. The Polaroids are being taken, and I'm telling my sister, okay, that's good, now come closer. She says, okay, she takes about... Uh, was it four or five pictures? Four pictures. See, girls remember these things. She takes four pictures. On the third one, I say, come closer. She comes closer, and she's sitting in front of me on a bench, and I'm standing behind her, and this is it. I'm like, this is the sign. And I went. And she took the picture, and I was like, okay. I said, one more. Closer. My sister comes closer. She takes another picture, and I'm like, you know. And so the plan is for the Polaroids to come out and nobody says anything and she has to see it on the Polaroid. That was the plan. So, as you can see, my wife is wearing glasses on the front row. That night, she didn't have her glasses. <laughs> Remember, four pictures. So the first one, she goes, oh, that's nice. And my sister's walking back slowly. I'm like, get out, go, you know. And so the first one, she's like, oh, that's nice. The second one, Oh, that's nice too. The third one, I had opened my jacket, right? So I'm thinking my heart is pounding. She looks at it, she goes, oh, that's nice. And then the fourth one, she stares at it for like 30 seconds. She's going, and I'm like, oh, man, this is it. This is it. This is it. That's nice too. And she puts it down. And my sister comes stomping back. Films, you don't like this one? You don't like this one? And so she's putting it in her face. And so Vilma's going, and then finally she goes, <laughs> that's when I busted it out. I got my ring. I got down on my knee. I said, Vilm, we have been friends for a very long time. We know each other for, for a long time. And I want you to know I love you very much. And I want to know if you would please be my wife. And you know what she said? She said, Nothing came out. And I was like, hold on, wait, what? And she said, yes. And by that time, 
you know, we're hugging. My sister's crying, and I'm like, just get out. You're not even supposed to be here, <laughs> you know. And she's taking pictures of us, you know. Anyway, we're all lovey-dovey. Right after that, we go to have dinner at our favorite restaurant. It was called Thai Kitchen. And uh, at dinner, and I promise this is going to end. This is my intro. It's going to end in a minute. We're eating. You know, we're on cloud nine. The server even says, are you guys like married or what? Because y'all are like looking at each other, you know, you know, like we just got engaged. She's like, oh my gosh, well, while we're eating, I have this piece of rice on my lip. And what do you do when you have food on your lip? You go, right, you get it in, right? The problem is I had food in my mouth already. How many have ever had food or water go down the wrong tube? So it was like this. <laughs> I spit rice all over her. <laughs> the day I proposed on cloud nine, I spit rice all over her. This is how I know it's love and how God sent her to me because she's still with me. Thank you, Lord, for sending me an incredible, incredible wife. And so I wanted to start off a little bit humorous and share our story a little bit. Uh, as we get into this, I'm going to go to the first book of the Bible. This is in Genesis. Uh, if you'll turn there with me, chapter 2, verse 15 through 18. Like I said before, this message is for everyone. It says this in verse 15. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. For now, let's stop there. Lord, bless the word as we get into this. Lord, let us not be distracted. Let us see and hear and feel your heart in your word through your message. Holy Spirit, help us today. In Jesus' name, say amen. All right. I've entitled this message, Finding the right person. Now again, if it's your soulmate, great, it fits. If you're about to enter a business deal, great, it fits. If you're looking for some other relationship that's going to be significant to you, it fits. God's divine relationships are built on a few things. The first one, as you look at this verse, it's God's appointed place. In 2020, Pixar, how many love Pixar movies, right? Pixar came out with a movie called Soul. Anybody see that? And so the movie, although it had some weighty topics, they did a pretty good job at lightening things up. It was about a high school music teacher named Joe. But Joe didn't want to be a high school music teacher. He was an aspiring jazz musician, jazz pianist. Well, he finally gets his break. A friend says, look, our pianist couldn't make it. And there was a jazz legend who was singing, and she needed a pianist. And he said, look, I can get you in. It was what he was waiting for. So it's his big break. He finally runs out to the street to make the gig. On his way there, he falls into a manhole. And as he plunges down into the manhole, he dies and plunges into the afterlife. And suddenly he finds himself in this... Um, purgatorial type place. It was called the, uh, the Great 
before, the great before. His role in the great before, anybody who gets to the great before, they're, they're assigned a fresh soul, a soul that hasn't been born, hasn't been to earth yet. And they are to mentor that soul along the way until they see a spark or something interesting on earth. And if that soul sees it, then they send them on in hopes that they will live a fulfilling and happy life. Okay, spoiler alert, he eventually and successfully helps the fresh soul find their path in the real world. And as we're talking about relationships and marriage and life, wouldn't it be nice if you could have a pre-existing conversation with God to help you go to where you want to go, participate in the things that you are interested in. But did anybody have that chance? Not me, not you. We like choice. We like the freedom of choice. We enjoy it. But there's no such place as the great before. We can't wheel and deal with God and tell him, this is who I want to marry. This is what I want to do. This is what I want my career to be. We just don't have the choice. God appoints you to a place, and he appoints you to a time. Did you get to choose when you would be born? Anybody? Me either. Uh, did you get to choose your nationality? Anybody? Did you get to choose your gender? Ooh, I'm feeling some heat on this one. How many of you get to choose your family before you were born? Nobody. You see what I'm saying? God appoints us and puts us in a place. But why do we fight the place God puts us? We fight. Why do we fight the people God placed us with? We complain. We fight because we forget that somehow God knows best. Why did God place me in this family? Why did God place me in this church? Why did God place me at UNLV? Why couldn't I go to another university? Why did God place me in every nation in Las Vegas where all they want to do is make disciples and you got to be in life group every week? Why, 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 why? If we go back to the word that we just read, God created the Garden of Eden and he placed Adam there. What you think is coincidence many times is God's doing. Adam found himself in a place and he didn't know and he didn't see why. And maybe you're asking the same question. Why? Maybe there's some area in your life and you're saying, God, I don't get it. I don't like it. Why? and you're fighting against it, my advice to you is stop fighting against where God placed you and start embracing it. Why is it important to embrace where God placed you? Because when you embrace the place God placed you, that is where you find your purpose. Purpose is the next point. God's appointed purpose. But you won't find your purpose if you don't embrace where God has placed you. Are you getting this? Okay, we're going to keep going. Adam's purpose was to tend the garden that God placed him in. Now, how many of you would have said, God, I'd like to be a farmer? Nothing wrong with farmers. But Adam didn't have that choice. 
you know, for me, I mean, to say, God, you know, hey, it would be cool if, uh, if, if my mom were from the Philippines and my dad was from Panama. And you know what? Let's just confuse everybody. How about I don't meet my biological dad and I am adopted and raised by a black man? It's funny, right? That's me. That is me. And you know what? That life has shaped who I am. Thank God I was able to embrace all that. And so I can, I can relate to having to embrace the place and embrace God's purpose. I just told you the story about me and my wife getting engaged. We were both born again. We gave our lives to Christ in Guam. Now, my family, uh, my dad was in the Air Force. We never knew, we never heard of Guam in our life. One day my dad come home. And he says, the Air Force is sending us to a new place. Guess where? We said, where? He said, Guam. And we're like, huh? We never heard of it. We get stationed at Anderson Air Force Base. I kind of spent my elementary years there. I was in second grade. My parents divorced. My mom stays. I continue with my dad in the, um, as he continues his career in the Air Force. I, I go to high school here. In the States. All I've ever known was, was here in the States. So Guam was cool. It was nice. But it was never really like home for me, if that makes sense. So after I graduate high school, I find myself visiting my mom, who was doing very well. Her and her next husband had started a construction company right at the height of the construction boom on Guam. Uh, they were in a boom. Tourism was, was flying. And so they were helping out building all these buildings uh, they had projects all over the place. And my mom would bribe me because I didn't want to be on Guam. And all I had to do was go, Mom, I, th I think I'm going to go back to the States. And she'd go, no, 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 wait. Don't go. I'll buy you any car you want. I'm not exaggerating. I've had several Mustangs, convertibles, Camaros. I've had all of those dream cars, trucks, because that's how well my mom was doing. Um, God says none of that means anything to you or me. I go to church with my sister because I feel obligated because I had basically skipped so much of high school that my counselor told me you're not going to graduate. There's no way you can graduate. You won't get the credits. You've missed too many classes. Uh, so I go to my sister. She helps take care of me. I'm eating her food, living in her house. And she goes, you want to go to church? And I'm like, ah, yes. I start going with her to church. I give my life to Christ and, and I find myself in a brand new place. And as I'm growing uh, as a Christian, um, I discover God, and still my heart was over here. And I told my pastor this specifically. I said, you know what? I'm going to serve God in the States. There's a, there's a whole bunch of great churches in the, in the States, and I think that's where I'm going to go. Well, a guy who moves in some very prophetic giftings, his name is Jim LaFoon, you might have heard, heard of him, uh, comes to visit Guam. He arrives that morning. He tells uh, pastor, our pastor, uh, Pastor Taylor, take me to the church, lock me in. I don't want to see anybody before tonight's meeting. So he had never met us. Uh, we had never met him. Um, and so we arrive at the meeting, and he calls me out of the crowd, and he says, Roland, you're running from God. God has a purpose for you here, but you're wrestling with him. You don't know what to do. You don't know whether to join the family business. You don't know whether to go back to school or you don't know whether to leave here. And those are the exact three things 
that I was contemplating. And I remember just staring at him and looking over at my pastor. My pastor was going, I told him nothing. And I'm going, how did he know? God read my mail. And so then I knew, okay, God has a, a purpose for me here. But in order for me to fulfill that purpose, I had to first embrace the place. And some of you find yourself in a place and you don't know why. And all I'm saying is learn to embrace it because there you will find out more things. That's where I had people come into my life and speak into my life and disciple me and spend time with me and help me, encourage me, correct me, all of that. There was even a moment when people started calling me pastor when I wasn't a pastor because I was, you know, kind of, and I didn't like it. And they'd be like, yo, Pastor Rob, don't call me pastor. I'm not a pastor. I didn't want to embrace that. For a long time, I ran from my calling. Anybody ever done that before? And, and so every, somebody would say, you know, you, I think you're going to be a pastor. And I'd say, take it back. <laughs> take it back. I don't want to be no pastor. This is what I went through. I went through seasons where God would reveal things to me, but I wouldn't embrace it. I don't know if you guys can relate to that. My heart was here where I grew up, but I was fighting the place. God placed me on a little tiny island that most people have never heard of, but that's where he did his deepest work in me. I went to visit my mom, and I wound up staying for 22 years, being involved in this little church that had just started the year that I got there. I grew with the church. I helped the church, met my wife in the church who got, gave her life to Christ a year after me. After I embraced the place, after I embraced my purpose, then God allowed this woman to fall in love with me. Mm-hmm. That is the way it happened, right? And she's like, uh, yeah, okay. Really, I fell in love with her. That's, <laughs> that's really the way it happened. So when you are pursuing a relationship, Here's a tip. Make sure you and the other person are going in the right direction. Make sure that the destination is the same. But it doesn't stop there. Let's say you check that off. Make sure you and the other person have the same purpose. Can you imagine if I said, hey, I'm headed towards ministry, and she said, I ain't going to ministry, and then we tried to make it work. Could you imagine what we'd go through? Do you imagine where we'd be right now? And there's so many people in this world who pursue marriage or pursue relationships and they have no godly idea how to do it or, or why. or None of those questions are answered. And yet, they'll go into something that God ordained called marriage having no idea of these things. When you get on an airplane, they say, Hello and welcome to Hawaiian Airlines with direct flight to Honolulu. If you're not going to Honolulu, you better get off the airplane, right? That's the reason why every gate says the flight and the city destination or the country destination. Because if that's not where you're supposed to go, get off. That's your chance to say, "Uh, I'm on the wrong flight. And sometimes we pursue relationships and we're not going in the right direction. We're not serving the same purpose. And yet we'll, we'll jump in and pursue the relationship anyway. 
How many know you're destined for a rough ride if you don't do things God's way? So how do you know if you're in the right place? How do you know if you're pursuing your appointed purpose? Because God will confirm it with his provision. When you embrace the place and you find the purpose and you embrace it, then God goes, okay, we good so far? All right, this is where you're supposed to go. Matter of fact, where I guide, I provide. And he'll give you provision. See, we got it backwards. We pick the road and we ride and we expect God to, you know, hey, God, can you put some gas in this car, you know, and then pay for my meal up ahead. And God's going, there's something wrong here. You see, I don't follow you. You follow me. Uh, And also, by the way, I provide for my will, not yours. God's appointed provision. Look at verse 9. It says this, The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and that produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, in the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So a lot of times we'll draw our own blueprints for our life. We'll have our plans all mapped out. And then we go to God's desk and we throw it down and go, Plan, God, can I get your signature on this? Can you approve this? And God's going, no, 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 no. How about you come to this table where I've mapped out your life? And I have the blueprints. And I've designed you. I know what makes you tick. I know what makes you happy. I know who you're supposed to be with. Sometimes we get a little bit ahead of God. Sometimes like Peter, we try to help God. God, let me, let me help you out a little bit, God. Hello. If you're looking for a soulmate, if you're looking for a spouse, remember this. No finance, no romance. No money, no honey. If you want God to provide for where you're going, embrace the place, embrace the purpose. When those are ticked off, checked off, ticked off. (laughs) Some of y'all were like that in the car this morning. Don't lie. Oh, Leah just got it. Thank you, Leah. Anyway, ticked off. Get it mad. Ticked off in the car. Anyway, never mind. <laughs> okay, got it, got it, got it now. Got it, okay. When those are checked off, then God says, now we know where we're going. Now you know who you're going with. We know what you're going to do. Let me provide. The one thing that my pastor told me when I was pursuing Vilm, um, I, I went to him. I said, hey, I've been praying about this, and, and I think, I, I think I'm, I'm supposed to marry Vilm. And he goes, really? I said, yeah. And he goes, okay, great. Um, let's see. Started checking some things off, and he goes, yeah. So by the way, um, can you support a family? At that time, I was just going into ministry. I had no money. <laughs> I was raising support, and I wasn't quite there. And I said, no, I, no, not right now, but, but you know, 
but she's a college graduate. You know, she has a job. You know, she can support me too, right? And you know what my pastor said? Don't do that to her. Don't you do that to her. And I was like, geez, I'll be back. And I left kind of discouraged. And I didn't go back and talk to my pastor for another two years about her. You know why? Because there's some practical things I had to take care of. I went out and I raised support. I finally got to that level. And then I came back. And I was so afraid to approach my pastor about her. So finally my pastor had to approach me. He goes, hey, you still like them? And I was like, yeah. He goes, are you going to propose? And I was like, I don't know. And he goes, why not? And I was like, I don't know, Taylor. I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And he said, I think if you asked her, she would say yes. And I was like, yeah. And that's what put into motion me ordering the ring, getting it there so that I could propose to her. Now, we're going to land this airplane here in a second. But I want to give you two bonus points. These are not in the notes. So, Chris, don't feel like you have to find it. Don't freak out if you don't see it. Um, and it's funny, Pastor Matt just came from a preaching seminar. In preaching seminars, they will tell you don't have too many points. But I'm going to do it anyway, so you better write it down, is all I'm saying, okay? But in addition to God wanting to give you a place, in addition to God wanting to give you a purpose, in addition to God wanting to provide for you, before all that, God wants you to have an identity. In the beginning, we won't turn there. In the beginning of Genesis, you might know the story. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all get together and they have a conversation. They're going to make man, and he says, let us make man in our image. You remember that? Let us make man in our image. Now, why is this important? Because we live in a day and time where most people don't know who they are. I didn't know who I was or who I was supposed to be until I first got to know God. That's when he started revealing gifts. You know, I was not a musician until I was like 19 or 20 years old. And I, I, I couldn't believe it. I picked up a guitar and it came natural. You know, I, I got on the drums and it came natural. And I loved it. And I never would have known had I not gotten right with God. The devil loves it when you don't know who you are. The devil loves it when you're confused. The devil loves it when you're unsure and afraid. I can remember uh, growing up with my, uh, with my stepdad, who we, we never at any point in our lives ever said stepdad or stepson. We were just dad and son. That's the kind of relationship we had. Very thankful. And so I remember in high school, I was playing football. I was working out. You know, I was a lot bigger, stronger, you know. And my dad had just gotten remarried to my stepmom. And the first kind of altercation we got into, I thought I could, you know, I thought I can handle this old man. And I remember walking in a little bit, just a few minutes late. And my dad, I, I don't know, in my opinion, he wanted to kind of show off in front of his new wife and my new stepsister. And so he goes, where were you? And I said, I was watching the Mike Tyson fight, and I just wanted to watch the end, so I'm sorry I'm late. And he goes, and I tried to walk by him. And he goes, you know what your curfew is. I said, I know I time his curfew. 
And I tried to walk by him, and my dad wouldn't move. So we're in the hallway. We got other people looking at us, and I tried to walk by him, and I kind of shoved him with my shoulder. My dad's a big dude. And so as I kind of went around him, he caught me and swung me all the way around and threw me into the wall so hard the pictures fell off. And my eyes were about that big. And I was like, oh, Lord Jesus, please. I wasn't saved, but I was praying, Lord, let me live, let me live, let me live. And I remember trying to tell my dad, Dad, all my friends were late. And you know how it is as parents. They try to compare you to the good kids when they do good things. Why aren't you studying like, like John, like John's studying? But then when you try to bring your good friends into a bad situation, Daddy, even John was late. Even John, oh yeah, if John walks a cliff, you're going to walk off a cliff. It like works against you. And I remember telling my dad, Dad, look, all my friends were late. We just wanted to watch the end of the fight. My dad goes, what is their last name? What's Johnny's last name? I said, Walker. And he said, what's your last name? I said, Gray. And he said, that's right. You are not a Walker. You're a Gray. And this is what we do in the Gray family. You come home on time. You respect your elders. You, he was building that identity into me. And we'll try to tell God, yeah, but God, look at everybody else. Look, they're doing it. They're getting away with it. And we try to justify it. God's going, wait, 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 wait. Whose name do you bear? Whose name do you bear? That changes everything when you have identity. My dad told me that's not who you are. And maybe, just maybe, there are some things in your life and you're just maybe wrestling and God's going, this area right here, that's not who you are. Come out. Come away. When the devil sees you realizing who you are, he gets afraid. The biggest thing the devil is afraid of is when you find your identity in God. Because then you find out that you're royalty. Then you find out you're a child of the king. And then you realize you're not second best. And that depression that tried to mark you, you're not, a, you're not depression. And the fear and the worry, that's not who you are. God's saying, let me erase that. And let me show you whose family you're, you're a part of. And after you do that, act like it. One more bonus point. Can I do that? One more? Okay, you're not supposed to do that, but Pastor Matt's not here, so here we go. Not only does God want to give you identity, God wants to give you parameters. If you are living your life for Christ, if you are following God, God wants to give you parameters. Any licensed drivers here? You got a driver's license and you drove? How many drove here this morning? How many saw lines in the road? Yeah, you know those lines? Those aren't just suggestions. You know, some of us treat them as such. But you know, those lines will tell you where you're supposed to be, and those lines will tell you where you're not supposed to be. And so when you look at this story, let me just read it to you again. We don't have to go there. Verse 16 says, But the Lord God warned him, speaking of Adam, 
You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except, say except, except the one on the other side of that line where you shouldn't be, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Now, you know, the rest of the world would be quick to point out, look at God, he wants to limit you. He doesn't want you to have this. He doesn't want you to, to be free. and He doesn't want you to express yourself. He doesn't want you to choose your own path. The world will be quick to show you that. But in reality, in reality, God creates this lush, huge garden, and he says, you can have all of it. Except for this one. Just leave this one alone. How many think that's a pretty good deal? Right? While the world will point and focus on this and try to bring you down because of this, God's saying, yeah, but (laughs) come on. Who do you want to follow? Or how many know what I'm saying? But God, I should be able to do what I want. Why, God? Why, why doesn't God allow us to do that? It's called love. Ask any responsible, loving parent. And they will tell you that my kids, it's not so much what they might do. But I know that out in that world, there's a lot of things that want to hurt them. A lot of times that's what parameters, God's parameters, God's boundaries will do for us. God's saying, look, it's not so much about what you might do, but you get into that area and I'm telling you bad things are going to happen. That's where you don't want to be. God gives us parameters because he wants us to have standards to live by. If you're pursuing a business relationship, make sure you lead with these things. If you're pursuing a friendship, make sure you lead with these things. If you're pursuing a romantic relationship, please, please, please make sure you lead with these things. Amen? Make sure you're headed in the same place. Make sure you both have the same purpose. Make sure God is is confirming it with his provision. Most of all, make sure your identity is in God and make sure you both operate within God's parameters. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And Father, we recognize your your heart for us. And Father, I pray that you would help us in a couple of areas today as we as we close up. Lord, help us to see your heart for us, to see your your love for us. That Lord, you're not here to to dampen the party. You're not here to rob us of of a life of of fun and fulfillment. Lord, help us to see the way you see and to understand the way you do. Today, God, we want to be secure 
We want to be blessed. And Lord, we want to stop fighting who you created us to be. Lord, we understand when all these things are in place. Lord, that's when you trust us with bigger and better things. But Lord, when when we're in the wrong place or we don't embrace the place, or if we don't embrace your purpose, Lord, why, why would you give us anything? Why would, you, why would we expect you to provide for us? If you're here today, just want to take a minute and give you an opportunity just in case if there's anybody here and you can say, man, my identity is not in God. I don't know if I'm right with him right now. I want to pray with you and we're going to pray all together. Is that anybody here and you want to get your heart right today? Is that anybody? Would you just raise your hand? Okay, so then we're just family. Father, I just thank you for your people and I thank you for your church. And Lord, I ask that you would fulfill everything that you have planned for us. But Lord, it's not all on you. Lord, we want you to move. Lord, we want to see you do things. But you're saying, no, no, no. I want to see you do some things first. Lord, help us to recognize and help us to be obedient to do what you've called us to do. And Father, for those who aren't yet married, Father, I pray you preserve their spouse for that, Lord, that that person who you've ordained for them to be with for life, Lord, protect them. Lord, in this season of singlehood, that, Lord, is part of the process of us becoming who you want us to be. Lord, may we not skip past that or fast forward past that. And, Lord, fulfill all that you have for us, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.